What's up, y'all? I am Levi Brickley, your host with the Pursuing Truth podcast, and this is Boundaries with my mother, Kim Mattern. And as you can tell, if you're watching on YouTube, I got a cup of coffee for the first time on the podcast. Yeah. Look. I know. <laughs> I love it. It's good. It's it's mocha, something mocha, mocha peppermint, you know? They came out with, mm. like, Coffee Mate came out with some, you know, I don't know, yeah. like, Christmassy-looking bottle thing, and I'm like, ooh, that looks flashy. And I, I was like, I don't drink coffee, so. Oh, so, you know, refreshing. And I love how dehydrated it makes me. Yeah. Yeah. But if you all have not tuned in to Boundaries, you really should go back and listen to what? The last four episodes? We've been doing this for two months every other week now. Two months? Two months, I know. We're aging like fine wine and it goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I'm looking pretty good now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried anymore. So today we're going to talk about different laws of boundaries. What was that thing I was supposed to remember? Oh, that, well, our first boundary is the law of um, reaping and sowing or sowing and reaping yeah but what was the thing i was supposed to remember if you play stupid games you win stupid prizes yes that's right yep so our very first one of sowing and reaping is talking about playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes yeah i you know you told me think of think of something where i was reaping what I was sowing when I was raising you guys. And the first thing that popped up in my head was, you know, when Brock was kind of, I guess what you saw in his corrective stage, the rest of us didn't see him in the corrective stage. And you were going out on a whim to invest into him. You let him move back in the house at like 38 years old. And all of us are like, (laughs) mom, what are you doing? Why were you doing that? What what made you want to do that? What were you trying to sew into Brock? Was this the last time I moved him into the house and made a yeah. bedroom for him? <clears throat> well, honestly, I brought him back in the home because the Lord said it's time to pour into him. That was the Lord's words to me. Pour into him. Mm-hmm. Because the majority of his life, he was out of control and you know, many times, you know, we didn't know where he was or he was on the streets or whatever. Um, and I had just really been praying about what to do because I knew that he had some health issues. I knew there were some things going on with him and stuff. And but So at that time, I was praying about it, and the Lord said, pour him to him. And I had to really take some time to decide what that meant, you know. So... I went to him and said, you're allowed to come into my home and live in my home, but here are the rules. One was that he would get in counseling, he would get to church, and he would start taking care of his medical needs. Like I would set him up with a doctor and we'd start that process of checking out what's going on. So you're taking in a a 38-year-old man Mm -hmm. and you're basically giving him like a reconstruction of his life, essentially. You're, yes. ge- you're getting his life in order for him at that point. Yes. And I think that's the reason why the family was so thrown off by you doing that, because it's like, why are you putting so much into him? Like, he's 38 years old. He should have already learned by this point. And you said that God 
spoke to you in that moment? What was that? What, what was that like? Like, how does, how does a listener hear God like that? Like, what was it? Was it like intuitive? Was it like just something you just felt heavy on your heart? Like if I don't do this, something's going to go wrong or no, what was it? No, cause it, those kind of fears had already passed. I didn't have those fears of he's going to live or die anymore. Um, I had really just kind of surrendered him to God. But I also knew, too, that in everybody, when we're talking about boundaries, it's knowing what I'm in control of and what he's in control of. I can give him a foundation, but he still had to fall through. Okay, so he spent most of his life not following through, not not in the same way that you kids may have chosen to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. But I had seen enough changes in him over the past few years. He just kept, it was like he gets so far and hit a wall again. And so I seen that there was a desire at this point to get his life together he just didn't know the tools to do it. And so I think, you know, part of it was just praying for wisdom. God, I need you to show me if this is the right thing or not, because I knew I can't have him come in the home. If well, he, your emotions can deceive you, too. Right. As a mom, I wanted to protect him. I wanted to be his savior, if you want to use it that way. Um, but I had already worked through all that stuff. I mean, we're looking at him being 38. And by then, he had already gone through several stages of destruction if you want mm. to say um he he had already reaped quite a bit of what he had sowed um but at this particular time it was kind of like i needed to know if i let him continually wallering and if i don't know if that's the right word um trying to figure it out his own or is it time to put my hand out and say here's a hand up mm-hmm you know, because there is a time that people hit the rock bottom so far that they're either going to stay at the bottom or they're going to start digging themselves out. And, and the hope is when you hit rock bottom, you have somebody there that right. puts out their hand and helps you back up in that right. moment. Because the overwhelming majority of people have probably already given up on you to that point. You've Risk. already trespassed their boundaries. Yeah. Well, hadn't you kids? I mean, quite honestly, hadn't his siblings already kind of given up on him? Yeah. I mean, if we were honest, you know, and and I knew when I let you kids know that he's coming back into my house and I'm going to do this, that you guys weren't all on board, you know. But thankfully, I feel like you kids respect me enough to let me do what I was going to do without a lot of flack. Um, but like I said, there was enough signs to me that he was ready and then when the lord just said i mean literally spoke those words to me pour into him now did i know exactly what that meant because if i look at it it's just a little term of pour into and that means give it at all give it my all and so basically that's what i did i mean i cashed in my 401k to take care of his medical needs because he didn't have insurance mm-hmm. you know and um the results were at 40 years old, he turned his life over for the Lord, and he's done really well since. Yeah, and so you, know? you, you reaped that into him, though. You provided him structure, and through you providing him structure, now Brock's, what, 45? That was like seven, eight years ago? 46. 46, and so 
you know, the thing that has really changed in him that I think all of us in the family have seen is he's really taking responsibility and ownership mm-hmm. in his life. Yeah. And you going out on a whim when everybody else around you is like, no, don't do that. That's not the mm-hmm. smartest idea that you can have right now. But you going out on a whim and doing that and trusting what you felt called on your heart to do, then so now that for the first time in 44, 46 years, he's taking responsibility of his actions. And not only that, he's living a life. Now, it's not normal to me. It's not normal to my mom. It's not normal to any of us, but he's able to engage with a community that I never would be able to engage with. This this guy, literally, my, my oldest brother, Brock, he has like more reptiles in his living room than your zoo exhibit. I am not kidding. Yeah. And he's, he's fascinated by reptiles. He loves reptiles, but what's awesome about it is him owning responsibility led to him being involved in a niche community on social media and now developing a ministry out of that. And so like, that's a sign of sowing, you know, that, or, 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 it's reaping. It's yes. now reaping. He's you reaping. sowed into him. He's mm-hmm. reaping what you sowed into him because God was calling you to do it. There's all, every time God is calling us to do something, there's always so much complexity in the background that's playing on us individually. Right. You know, like we kind of talked, I think it was in the first episode when the house over on fourth street and the chair caught on fire and just the intuitiveness the spirituality Mm -hmm. like what was that calling on brock to just show up in that random moment that he was needed to be there at that time and yet that was what 15 20 years prior to this point in time when god said pour into him and i stress this a lot we we are so guilty of not really looking back over our lives and choices we've made and things and seeing God's faithfulness in it. You know, I mean, yes, it took Brock the majority of his life to get it together. But when you look back over his life, the things that occurred in his life, good or bad, has now been used for God's good. Right. I mean, he's doing ministry with people I could never reach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's loving others that I would never even properly approach, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, um, so it, it really is the, the cause and effect and knowing when it's time to step in with someone who lacks boundaries. Um, Brock was a good boundary breaker. <laughs> yeah, he was. You know. And, did, uh, did you feel like you were rescuing him? Because you said something along the lines of like, being a savior at that time no um and the reason why i don't is because i think of of um the times that i did rescue him Mm -hmm. but over those years i was learning more and more about myself and about what i'm capable of doing what i'm not capable of doing what i can give and what i can't give um and so i i just believe it's god's timing and this may sound ironic but i'm going to throw this in here I had talked to, I had a lady at um, the church and great spiritual mom. And she knew that I was very frustrated with Brock. Um, and she just kept saying to me, 
as long as he has breath, you have hope. And Billy Graham's son was a prodigal and didn't come back to the Lord until he's 40. So I remember looking at her and said, okay, I'll keep praying for Brock until he's 40. But I'm telling you, if he doesn't get it right by the time he's 40, I'm done. (laughs) And look what happened. I mean, I know that you can't say it's coincidence that he was right at 40, but I just think that God honored that prayer. Proverbs 9.8 says that it is worthless to confront foolish people. What at that time told you that he's no longer foolish, foolish or there's potential that he's not? What did you what did you see in him beyond the calling that, that affirmed you that you were making the right decision? His cooperativeness. I mean, he, he for the first time, you know, when I sit down to talk to him about doing this, he was cooperative. Instead of mm. throwing things back at me like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Or, well, I want this or I want no that. There were no, no more demands on me. No more demands and no more excuses. And no more excuses. He wasn't trying to make an excuse of why he was where he's at or whatever. He was broken. And I think that's what you have to look for in people. Say you have a child. And they've been making very bad decisions over and over again. And how many times did you go to the jail and pick them up? And take him out of jail. Mm. How many times did you give him that 10 bucks, even though you know he just bought pot the day before? Or he calls you up and says, I need gas so I can get to work. And yet you knew that he went to the casino and gambled the day before. You know, and you would say, well, you need to walk. And he'd say, well, I can't walk that far. Well, and let's say you go pick them up, your son or daughter from jail, and you continually do this. And there's probably a conversation every time afterwards. You better not do this again. You better not do this again. And if you do this again, this, this, and this, and this are going to happen. And this is where boundaries come in. Right. Because you own those boundaries. When you set that boundary, you own it. Right. And you live by that. So when somebody starts pushing against that boundary again and trespassing on what you established on what level you should be respected, you need to be able to walk away and say, nope, you right. should be learning the consequence at right. this point because you're reaping what you have sowed. Right. And another thing, too, you got to stop and think. There are times when something happens in someone's life that puts them in a setback, lose their job in an automobile accident that puts them laid up and stuff. That's the difference between giving a helping hand to help someone up as opposed to them making bad choices that get them there, like going into work drunk and getting fired, Mm -hmm. you know, or, and so there's times when you got to say, Hey, you made a bad choice. And I know that what I'm going to say might hurt you, but it's not going to harm you. I hope it grows you, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was many times we did that with Brock, and many times Brock still went ahead and did whatever he's going to do, you right. know, or find an excuse mm-hmm. or say I don't like something. Um, I, w- I want to hit on something right. here too. Um, you said that he wasn't making excuses and he didn't have demands. Are words cheap? Words are very cheap, so it has to be followed up with actions. You know, one of the first things he did because I didn't make it comfortable for him when he first came. He had a bed over in the corner of my sewing room. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, you know, like open a door of luxury for him. Right. You know, it wasn't like here's your whole room all by yourself and you get this and you get this. I wasn't going to make it comfortable for him. You know, so he started off with a room, a bed, 
in the corner of my room. So he had to share it with uh, with me when I was in there sewing. You know how much time I'm in there sewing. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really have a whole lot of alone time. He also was told that he would have chores around the house. He was in charge of the yard and taking care of things like that. Um, I had curfews on him. He couldn't be out past a certain time. I mean, it was almost like a teenager in my home, and I'm telling him what to do. An adult man-child. Yes. But, you know, and that's where I seen that I was making the right choices because Brock was cooperative. He wasn't fighting against me. He wasn't pushing it. He wasn't, you know. Mm -hmm. You can always judge somebody's character by the force of their actions. Right. Right. You know, words words are cheap, but words are... In my opinion as well, they are very meaningful when backed with action. Right. It's like, wow, somebody has really changed. And words can change somebody's life. Mm -hmm. You know, it can change because you may see all of these things, but if he never said anything, then there may be a little bit more proclivity not to assist him because he's not verbalizing it to you. So it may not even be made aware to you and your consciousness to say, hey, he needs help now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, I think yes, words are cheap, but I also think that, that words are valuable when backed by action. Right, right. And how do people learn to respect? Mm-hmm. If you want to be respected and you want to be heard, you better be truthful with your words in action. Mm-hmm. You know, The essence of integrity. Yes. When nobody is looking... I'm still acting the same way I'm talking. Right. All right. Law number two. And this is my favorite one. This is. is, This is a kick. This is a kick I have been on for a while. Okay. Um, Because I see so much. We talk about it all the time on the Pursuing Truth podcast. But we talk about victimization. People's inability to own their life. Right. To take responsibility of their past of their present, of their future, of their beliefs, of their opinions, nothing. People would rather subjectify themselves as if it's virtuous to live a life where people show you empathy and compassion based on the premise of the things that you've been through. Right Now, experience adds value in the sense of through experience, it shows that there's a story to overcoming that mm-hmm. somebody else can pull away from later. Right. But the only way to get to that story is by getting to a point where you have owned the responsibility. Right. And that's the reason why I love the conversation of responsibility. It's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. You know, I was on the phone with Scott, um, one of my other older brothers. He lives down in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was on the phone yesterday mm-hmm. with him and one conversation I was having with him was about dad and how being raised in a fatherless home and my experience of not being able to look up to a man that's a father figure to me, especially in my adolescence as a young man, that I learned that that's who I never want to be. So So I accepted. So what made the difference in that though? Levi, why is it that you've seen it as this is what not what I want to be, where other kids become a victim to it and fall into the same trap of alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever, or pity me, my dad was abusive, my bad dad was an alcoholic. What 
what gave you that desire to want to not be that way? I'll use an example, a more recent example of this. You know, there was one time that I called you and I was going through a really rough time and I was telling, I was crying. I was telling you, you know, like mama's boy over here crying to mama, (laughs) but I was, I was, I was crying and you just said, and and this, this is key to this, but you just said, you know what? It is what it is. You got to get over it. If you want to get over it, you got to choose to get over it. And at the time it was like, Wow, <laughs> that was harsh, <laughs> that was harsh. right? Yeah. That, that was harsh. There was no compassion. There was no empathy. But at times, we all need that harshness. Right. We we don't we don't always need empathy and compassion. Sometimes we need the logical reasoning right. behind right. it. And and I think that that's a key aspect and a pattern that lived out throughout my life. That you never, you always said it was hard. You know, it's like when, yeah. when when you talk about dad, you're like, yeah, he had a problem, but he was still a great man. And mm-hmm. so you're able to kind of separate that difference. And, right. and where I see it is, yes, he's still a great man and there's great things to still pull from, but mm-hmm. there's also all of these other bad things to pull from. And I guess I've always had this perspective that no matter what goes wrong in my life, that if I don't see it as a lesson, right, then I will never learn right. and I will never find true peace and joy and happiness. Right. And I think that's the reason why Paul writes, you know, suffering builds character. Right. Because now I see that and I go into the work, I go into friendships and relationships in general mm-hmm. with the family, anybody, mm-hmm. any level of relationship. And I go into it with, you know, what was my dad like here? And what do I not want to be like here? Right. Well, you know, I'm going to bring up a um, historical kind of thing. Um, and I don't remember, you probably don't remember the story, but I know that there was a, a girl that lived in California that was kidnapped and taken in as a hostage, basically raped, you know, some terrible things happened to her. And yet that woman today is a successful woman. And I remember reading a little bit of her story and she said this, she says, my mom, she says, I I believe the reason I got over it, not just because of God too, but she says, my mom said what that man did to you, doesn't have to be who you are you separate that you have to learn to separate in your mind the good and the bad and what he did was not a reflection of who she is so she needed to to separate that the acts that were done against her had nothing to do with who she is but who he was but who he was Right. And so when you're talking boundaries, when people are approaching on your boundaries and being disrespectful to your boundaries and not honoring your boundaries, it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. It becomes part of who you are when you enmesh with him mm-hmm. and feed that back in a bad way. Right. So in light of what your dad being an alcoholic, you chose a higher road. I don't mm-hmm. want to be like that. Right. If you had chose to, hey, 
I'm going to acclimate and be like that. Where would you be today? You want to be getting this message right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Seriously. So, so you know, and I can remember where, if you remember when um, there came a point in time when I really struggled about you seeing your dad. But I wanted you kids to love him and to have some respect for him. And if you remember correctly, I told you, you have to separate your dad as the person God created and forgave, just like he forgave us, and the alcoholic problem he has. Mm-hmm. The alcohol wasn't who he was. It was something that he latched onto mm-hmm. to soothe whatever problems he never resolved from his own life. You know, And that's the only really way that forgiveness happens. Mm-hmm. It's the only way growth happens is if you can remove yourself away from their behavior mm-hmm. and look at them as the people God created. So when you have a child that is rebellious and not honoring your home rules and, and things like that, it is better to say, okay, if this is what you want to live in, then you're going to have to leave our home and be at your own demise. Mm-hmm. And when you are ready to surrender... Mm-hmm. And that's where I was with Brock. Are you ready to surrender? Right. You're welcome to come back in and I'll help you mm-hmm. get started on your life again. Talking about the platform, just real quick. If you guys um, have not, please subscribe on YouTube. Hit the like button. It's much appreciated. It pushes out the video a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. Give us a rating on Spotify. Give us a rating on Apple Podcast and leave an Apple Podcast review um one thing i wanted to hit on about the platform because i've really been struggling with this idea of self-help um because self-help is always about stay motivated stay strong go forth and conquer get your life in order do this do that do this do that and it's all these like steps to -hmm. get there And for me and growth on this platform and with dad and taking ownership and responsibility was not this, oh, I want to be successful one day and I need to stay motivated. So I need to go to the gym. I need to work out. I need to do this. I need to do that. I wasn't, I'm not running towards something mindlessly. Mm -hmm. I'm running towards something with a message. And where did that message come from? The message came from examining why I want to do that. Why do I want to be motivated? And I think that this is the extreme difference on the Pursuing Truth podcast that other platforms don't provide is the examination deeper within oneself. Right. To, to truly evaluate those things. And then once you find those things that in the meaning and the reason why they happened, right. now you have a reason to go forth and conquer and stay motivated because right. now you have a message. Right. And that was me taking responsibility of dad's situation. Right. Putting it and applying it into my own life. And then how that's a display of love to other people because I want other people to be able to find that solution right. in their life, right? Yeah. And and I think, too, it's the perfect representation of 
love others as you love yourself. Right. Because I do intrinsically love myself, right? I love myself enough to examine those things because I want what's better, right? Loving yourself isn't an outwardly appearance or the things that we think love ourselves. I'm going to go treat myself to my nails and I'm going to go do this for me and I'm going to go do that for me. Loving ourselves is loving others. Mm -hmm. I mean, scripture is very clear about love God Mm -hmm. and love others as yourself, Mm-hmm. Are you going to treat that other to new nails and a hairdo and the spa and new clothes? And are you really? You're going to give them everything that you want? You, right. Like you're going to go buy them the Jeep Wrangler? Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, let's be honest, we're not. Yeah. You know, but, but the point is, is that if we don't internally love who we are yeah. and love our identity, how can we love others? Yeah. You know, we don't have the ability to love others. And I think that the self-love topic is such a in-depth topic. You know, it's something that I've battled with now for almost a year. It's such an in-depth topic. And when it's talked about on surface level, it's misunderstood. Right. And and I think it's a very dangerous thing, to be honest with you. I think it's a very dangerous line in the difference between... You know, um, to me, self-love doesn't take responsibility. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times you know, it it's all about yeah. me. So it's whatever I feel good for me Yeah, and forget you. Yeah, trust your feelings, yo. Yeah, and you can't. But, you know, going back to um, digging in and knowing mm. who you are, um, and that, that was recovery for me. When, when I dug in... Um, you know, my dad was an abusive father. Um, my mother was um, a, what do you want to call it, passive-aggressive. I mean, she became bitter and resentful, so hers was internal, where my dad's was external. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but realizing where they came from in their childhood and seeing the things that they, the reason what, what they brought in, it's like I was able to love them for who they were right. and not from the things that they themselves brought into their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's when I learned how to set up boundaries, too, because just because um, maybe there was some mistreatment in their home and they grew up in that abuse or whatever, didn't mean I had to accept that. Right. That didn't have to be a part of who I was. Yeah. You know, and, and so I started yeah, it was it was, it, it was a warning label yes. is what it was. You, you, well, when, it, when, when, you, when you examine other people's stories... It is a warning label and an example of things that you can say, I want to take a piece of that. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not going to make that yeah. same stupid and see, decision. And, that, and that does, this is one of the things that I, I, I get frustrated with. When I'm hearing someone telling me their story, and if I start hearing that, it's more of a feel sorry for me. I've done, I've gone through this, such this trauma and you know, there's a thing of sharing your story to influence someone for the good, right? For them to grow, right? Then trying to outdo your story because I had it worse, or for selfishness, yeah, or to right. get attention, right? Or somebody feel sorry for you, or to get money, to get donations, well, yes. whatever, whatever. And there's a lot of people that do that, mm-hmm. and if you're not aware, right? There's there's deceit there. Yep. Compassion isn't the main 
compassion and empathy. I, I don't know that I want to say this. You know, one, one thing about podcasting, and I was thinking about this this week. One thing about it is I'm thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to articulate my thoughts, formulate them into right. words. <laughs> and and we I, really do kind of shoot from Shoot from shoot from your hip, yo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because because here's the thing: as you conversate, one thing that I've learned is that when I go back and listen to the recording, or I'm in the editing phase, Uh I'm like, I don't agree with that, (laughs) or or I'm like, man, that was really good. I do believe that that is true, and and I think that's that's why this change of from the Veritas 21 podcast to the pursuing truth podcast is just so raw. Cause that's exactly what it is. Right. As we're sitting here talking, it's shooting from that hip. And I'm about to say, and I, I'm just going to roll with it, but I'm okay. about to say compassion and empathy is opposite of responsibility. It doesn't give it. It may be, right. it maybe sometimes accepts responsibility but it doesn't give responsibility to a person oftentimes. Right. You got to be careful. Yeah. You do. You do. Um, I kind of, I see that in a correlation with mercy and compassion. Yeah. The difference between mercy and compassion is a fine line of using good boundaries or becoming codependent. Yeah. Because when you get too much on, and I, I use this example because I worked with a great man when mm. I first started working at the church and we did benevolence. Now, this guy was a very godly man and loved him. And sadly, you know, not sadly, thankfully, um, he wasn't real, what I want to say, streetwise. Mm-hmm. And I become his support staff person. I come in with the streetwise. Right. I came in with the experience of a broken home and dysfunction and addictions and all this stuff okay and as i'm working with him and i see that he is helping people pay their bills pay their bills pay their bills pay their bills and some of them habitually Mm -hmm. and we had a good enough work relationship that i went to him and i says you know i have compassion for people that are hurting and in need and down and out but my mercy stops when I find they're taking advantage. Mm. So I would like to help you know the difference between how much do we help and when we're, t- we're becoming codependent for mm. them. And I'll use an example, a single mom. And I did single mom's ministry at the church and stuff. And I knew this lady. She had two children. And I have to admit, because I was a single mom, I was hard on my single moms in my class. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't let them feel sorry for themselves. You know, you don't have a choice. You got to do this. You know, you got a responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was responsibility. Yeah. Um, anyway, she habitually every month couldn't pay her rent, couldn't pay her utilities, was constantly. So I went to, to my boss and I said, Can I call her and ask her some personal questions? I never wanted to do anything outside of my responsibility. So he said, Yeah. So I called her, and my first question was, well, do you work? And she says, yeah, I have a job. And I said, full-time? And she says, no, it's only part-time. And I says, is there a reason why you don't work full-time? She says, well, I really want to be home with my kids when they get home from school. 
And I'm thinking, well, doesn't every mother? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And I said, but you're relying on someone else to pay your bills and not take the responsibility for your own life and your own children's lives. And so after talking to her for a while, I gave her some resources that she needed to check into, like getting into um, HUD housing so that her rent was, you know, equitable to her income. I told her she needs to talk to her boss about increasing her hours. She had a older child that was 17 and the other one was 10. By law, a 10-year-old can be home alone. There's no reason why that boy couldn't be home from 3.30 until 5 when her mm-hmm. mo- his mother got off work. Or why couldn't the older... And, and as we talked about last week, that's one of the ages of a child's life of a time for them to become a little bit more independent. Yes. I mean, you have to start giving them that, you know. And if they are a little immature, then why couldn't the older sister step in? Right. And kind of, you know, look after her younger brother. Anyway, in that process of doing that, got her mm-hmm. set up into a low-income home so she can afford it and stuff like that. And lo and behold, she still couldn't make her rent. So I said to my boss, I said, you have a hard choice here. You can either say, I'm cutting the apron string because you need to figure this out, or we can continue supporting her until her kids are grown and gone. And then probably even after. Probably. He cut the apron strings. We've never heard from her since. It's like the benevolence was just being used. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that she went and found another church that would take care of her or what. But yeah. the point I'm trying to make is, is that sometimes that apron strings has to be cut. Mm-hmm. And if you don't cut the apron string in a timely manner, you're going to be burdened for a very long time. Right. Set that boundary, yeah. own the boundary, take responsibility of the boundary. Yeah. Don't be afraid to act on it. Yeah. Follow through. The next law. The next law. The next law. Law number three. The law of power. Power. If people only understood, boundaries gives you power. Yeah. It does. Mm -hmm. You know? What kind of power? What do you mean? Well, ownership. It gives Mm -hmm. you the power of ownership. Um, What's power of ownership? Okay. For example, Uh when somebody comes to me and they're whining and crying... And I hate to say it like that. It sounds like, you know, not Whoa. that I don't want to listen to people that are struggling, but, um, and they're talking about this take. I'll do it in the terms of Brock and I. So Brock comes to me and he's whining and crying to me that he doesn't have the money to buy diapers for his child. And my response is, well, if you can't afford to take care of your kid, then I can find a family that will. <laughs> okay. I mean, honest God, that's, Exactly what I told him. I said, really? you cannot take care of your child. I'll find Good a family. Good for you. And do you know what Brock's response was to me? He says, he just looks at me. And he says, you'd really do that? And I go, yes, I would. I said, because I didn't have that child, not my child to take care of. You know what? You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. I, I, I love it because... It's that hard love that's needed to remind him, you're a responsible man. Take responsibility. Now, they figured it out. I never bought diapers for their child. But it wasn't my, this is where I took power. Wasn't my responsibility to figure out how they did it. 
wasn't right. my responsibility how, you know, where they come up with the money. And what it did for me, it gave me peace. I can remain happy with me and not have resentment towards him. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because I think so many people think, oh, I have to do this because I don't want him to be upset. Well, mm-hmm. take the chance of getting upset. There's this thing, I think, I don't know if, if it's with this law, um, but I read, is learning to understand that hurting someone's feelings is better than harming them because harming them does more damage. Hurting them only is for a moment. Now, you are you saying hurting them? By saying Verbally? No. By saying no. Okay. Just, in the boundary. Just, just in simplicity, establishing the boundary and hurting them by establishing the boundary and saying right. no. To clarify, it's not like your husband can just say anything he wants to you and it's completely okay. No, no. It's, it's you being okay with saying no to him that you're not going to allow that to happen no right. more. Right. Right. And, so it's and, reverse and to what, what I'm talking about people's the, the minds would want to harm go to. Is, is that if I don't say no... The harm would have been, if I did not say no that day, mm-hmm. the harm would be how much impetually will they keep coming back and needing me to supply mm-hmm. for their child? And who is that harming? Yeah. It's harming me. But the power of you saying no that you're not going to help him was you recognizing that if I help him now, he may never figure it out. So then I'm constantly there on his hip to help him at any time. And then I start to become bitter and resentful because I know that it's not being reciprocated back to me and the effort that I'm giving him. And he is not taking any responsibility in his life. So it's harming him. So so there's there's power in two aspects, right? right? Is that the power of him taking responsibility of his own life and you being able to still respect your position and mm-hmm. still be there for him emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes that hard love pushes the person beyond their current position. How are they going to grow if you don't ever say no to them? Right. And so that's the difference. And yes, I may have hurt his feelings that day when I made that comment, mm-hmm. but I didn't harm him. Yeah. It didn't harm him from growing. It didn't harm him from doing something different. Mm-hmm. You know, now if he'd have come to me because, say, one of them had just been in the hospital or they just had a, a, a car break down and had a big expense they had to pay to fix that car and stuff and they were running short and they said, Mom, I need help. Different story. Right. But when I knew the story and how they don't manage their money well, yeah. You know, then that's not my responsibility. There's a difference between knowing when it's, I call it this, something that's unexpected that they hadn't planned and didn't know or wasn't aware that it was happening and was totally out of their control. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem helping any of you kids when that happens. Right. But when it, you are, that, that's true. That's a true victim. That's a true victim. Mm-hmm. Something totally out of your control that happens to you. There was no decisions in what you did. Right. No, no decision. Maybe you put yourself in a bad position. Uh, just, you know, maybe. Maybe you were speeding. May, well, okay, <laughs> okay, know. okay. So, for instance, I get drunk at a bar and I'm driving home. I get pulled over. I get a DUI. I made the decision to go to the bar. I made the decision to get 
extremely intoxicated and I made the decision to go out and start my car and start driving knowing that it would put everything in my life on the line. I have to own full responsibility of that. Nobody else's decisions right. were made into that, right? Right. But then one one aspect of responsibility that you could pull from that that you could tell me is why would you go to the bar? If you knew that you were going to go there and get drunk, why would you make the decision um, to go to the bar? Well, like, I would even take it this far. Fine, you went to the bar and you got right. drunk. What made you have the decision to get in that car? You could have walked home. Yeah. You could have asked a friend to take you home. You could have right. called an Uber. Right. Be responsible. Like there's a level of how many decisions stack up to the right. point where the, the victimization isn't there no more. Right. Like, or, well, did I say that right? I don't know. I'm, so so then this is my question to you. Say you mm-hmm. did have that accident, drunk driving. Mm-hmm. Is it my responsibility to give you rides to work until you can get your car fixed or whatever? I don't know. Is it? No, it is not. <laughs> You're right. It is not. You can walk. You yeah. can take a bus. Yeah. Hey, ride a bike. Live with the decisions that you've made. Right. You reap what you sow. Yeah. You have nobody to blame besides you in life. Right. And I live by that. I think everybody should live by that because the moment that you start living by that, right, is is the, when you find this yeah. power in your life, right? That that you don't only establish boundaries in relationships, but you establish boundaries within yourself. Right. That now it's about discipline, right? I know, mom. I got off of work today, and the way I felt was, man, I want a couple beers. You know, I want to, I want to drink a couple beers before we do this podcast. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be disciplined because I don't want that to affect what I'm going to be saying and talking about. Right. I don't ever have this desire to get drunk, Mm -hmm. but I do have that desire to have a couple beers from time to time. You know, today was one of those days I really wanted to, but making that decision and being disciplined gives me the power to get onto the podcast and be able to effectively communicate without any other influence yeah. in me. I think that, that what we have to think about sometimes, and I don't think people do, we all make not good choices. All of us make some choices that aren't good. But if I make a choice that's only going to affect me, then that's my decision. Mm-hmm. If it's going to affect somebody else, then you need to really consider what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember when um, we haven't talked about <laughs> child number six. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember when she was in high school and she was making some decisions. And I remember her getting really mad at me and saying, it shouldn't matter what I want to do. It doesn't affect anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I go, really? And I think we were talking about when she was pregnant just Mm -hmm. out of high school. And I says, did you ever stop and think that if Caleb had ever thought about when he got on that motorcycle, driving at a very high rate of speed, doing tricks, and hitting gravel and it killing him ever affected any of us? That was his decision. Yeah. You know? He was by himself. Mm -hmm. It was his decision. Did it affect us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every decision we make affects somebody. Mm -hmm. So when I say, if I decide to make a choice, of course, now that I'm an adult, it's a little bit easier because there's nobody 
out there that has to pick up my pieces necessarily. Right. Okay. Yeah. And at the time she wasn't adult enough to support herself. So what yeah. I wanted to say, her choice of doing what she did still affected us because right. you don't have a job. You don't have a means of supporting yourself yet. So it affected us. But anyway, so if I make a decision now that I'm 66 and it's not a really wise decision, those consequences will be my consequences to deal with. I have no right to go to your kids and say, bail me out because I made a bad financial decision or feel sorry for me because I'm with a man that's beating me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, those kind of things because I'm old enough to know better. Right. Well, and there's a time to help that person, right? Right. Um, But each conversation like what we're having right now and saying that, that there's probably some woman that has been abused by a previous man that had a terrible experience and in no way is it justified. No. But do not subject all men, do not subject this conversation to just your personal story. It's an example that there are people that do victimize themselves to this and do take advantage of situations. And those are the people we're talking about, not the true victims. Right. The people that live on their laurels to get what they want. Because this is the biggest problem with not taking power of ownership and responsibility and looking into what you're reaping and you're sowing in your life is that the ultimate problem is the person that is truly the victim is victimized a hundred times more by the person playing victim. Mm -hmm. And that's what's sad. So in a sense, it's like this justice. And me, when I'm talking about victimization, that I have to talk about this. I have to talk about taking ownership and responsibility in somebody's life, not to hurt the victimized. Mm -hmm. But to get the people that aren't truly victims to recognize that you're just using that as a virtue, signaling to other people. Right. And that's wrong. Right. And those people should be held accountable for that. Because the woman right now that's at home getting her butt beat by some worthless, meaningless dude. Yeah. Doesn't deserve that. The woman that's getting raped sexually assaulted and abused doesn't deserve that. Neither does a child that's experiencing that. Those are true victims that we should be stepping up and taking responsibility in our communities to establish a route out of that situation. Right. But also being there to counsel them, not just as a charitable resource financially, but that we're there to counsel them, to be a brother, to be a friend, to be a sister, right. to be a mother, to be a father figure. It's also teaching them, too, like you said, we don't want them to stay in that victim mode, neither. So we're teaching them to set up their own boundaries, to learn to be able to say no, to be able to draw their line in the sand, and being able mm. to equip themselves with knowing themselves enough so that if they're presented with a situation like that again, they would know how to step out right, and leave mm. and, and not allow it. 
Um, and sadly, there are women that don't. There, sadly, there's women that does come out of really bad situations and choose to live in the poor me. I, mm. This is what I've dealt with. Right. This is where we talk about the law of power. Take mm-hmm. your power back. Mm-hmm. What happened to you was a reflection of that person, not me. I mean, this is a simple thing. When somebody calls me a bitch, mm-hmm. you know what I do? Do I get angry? No. No. I look at them and go, that make you feel good? I says, because it really isn't a reflection of who I am. It's a reflection of who you are. Right. So if that made you feel good, okay. But I'm not mad. I'm not offended. I don't retaliate. Right. Because that's them. That's on them. Right. Not me. Right. Well, and, and here's a, here's the difference. Like, there's a lot of people that are okay with being called a bitch, per se. Um, because... They just simply do not care at all what anybody thinks about them, but they also don't care about these other people in any sense of the word. And so when you know that you're doing things with good intentions and a good heart, and this is what I want to hit on, you're doing things with good intentions and a good heart, and there is no malevolence or evil behind you being involved in their life, then you can be confident mm-hmm. that that's just them. Mm-hmm. And that was that was been saying by somebody that loves me, loves me, mm-hmm. you know. And I do think that offense comes from more in a relationship being called names like that and stuff. But this is my thing. If you know who you are in Christ, and like you said, if you know that you're doing the best of your ability to be the kind of person that you should be, Mm-hmm. anybody calling you names it's on them it's yeah. a reflection of their character a reflection of their person right has nothing to do with me right so i don't give a feelings hurt yeah. <laughs> well see and this leads and that's where my power is <laughs> this leads perfectly into law number four what's that one respect <laughs> yes because, because once you once you have now took ownership you've taken responsibility you've examined what you've reaped what you've sowed all of these things mm-hmm. now you're at the point where wisdom has engaged into your life all of the knowledge that you've you've had and the experience created your wisdom and now that wisdom is what makes you a respectable person you give respect, you get respect. Yeah. Is yeah. is respect given or is respect earned? Have we talked about that? Yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's given until you break it. And if you break it, you're going to have to work really hard to get, earn it. Yeah. That's my theory. I will give you the benefit of the doubt, and you're respectful to me. But I won't be naive getting, giving you respect. I'll respect you. Or, yeah. I mean, you have to show me in your behavior whether I'm going to res- be respectful to you or not. Mm-hmm. My personal opinion is I'm going to respect everybody no matter what they do right. to a degree. Now, I won't accept bad behavior towards me. 
You know, I don't have to. That's part of my own self-respect is that I'm not going to accept bad behavior from you. Right. Now, what does that mean? That means I turn around and work, walk away if I need to. I don't engage, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's a lot of the trouble with me in my early years is that <clears throat> if you said something that set me off or did something, I attacked. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that attacking going back to what the scripture said about you cannot argue with a foolish person. Yeah. You cannot win a argument with someone who doesn't respect you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win the fight if that person doesn't respect you. Right. So don't engage. Mm-hmm. If you know they don't respect you, why engage? You're yeah. not going to talk them into it. Mm. You know, and I just learned not to waste my words. Yeah. But ultimately, mm-hmm. when you say no, it immediately puts up a barrier. Like, and you do that from the beginning, mm-hmm. the very beginning, you know what to say no to. And immediately, while you're still in the infancy of a relationship, maybe you're establishing Mm -hmm. a dating relationship, or maybe it's a child and you've always said no to this one thing, that will be that one thing that is always respected Mm -hmm. because you would never allow it to be encroached on. I was watching a TV show last night talking about respect, and it was about, it was a, a detective, and there was a runaway girl. And come to find out, her father had been abusive to her mom, so she was used to the custom of seeing abuse. Mm-hmm. And so she ran away from home, thinking she was running away from her abusive dad, and ran off with her boyfriend, who in turn was abusive to her, just like her dad. Anyway, they were trying to find this girl, so they went to the girl's school and was asking friends, do you know where she is, do you know where she is? And they, they interviewed this one student, and they said, do you know him? And he, she goes, well, yeah, I dated him for a, a second. And they said, well, why did you just date him that one time and not continue? And she said, um, he hit me. And my mom taught me that if a man raises a hand at me, walk away. And she says, so I walked away. And I'm thinking, power to that mom for teaching yeah. her daughter that if a man or a boy raises his hand to her, walk away and don't Absolutely. turn back. Absolutely. And we not allow that. it to continue right. to happen. Right. Because what you do is you say that that was okay and I'm going to let it pass by every time. Yeah. If you let it happen once, it'll happen again mm-hmm. and again and again. But there's reconciliation too, right? I mean. Yeah. Right. Like, and so where do you find that reconciliation? Because I was thinking about this today. When you talk about a cheating spouse or partner, mm-hmm. and obviously it is wrong to cheat on your partner, right? There's no time that that's justified. Where does grace come in? Like, what is the type of situation where... You say, I I forgive you and I still want this relationship regardless of what happened. But now, how do I set up the boundaries? Because although we can say no in the beginning, no matter what in our imperfections, we are going to break boundaries at times. So how do we overcome, you know, if maybe I'm the cheater, how do I 
Um, and say, this is weird. Okay, this is really weird, but I'm just going to roll with it and say you're the girlfriend. Okay. Okay. I was just thinking the same <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> this is weird. Okay, but 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 we're going to yeah. roll with it. Okay. okay. So so you're the girlfriend, and and this is the first time I broke this boundary and I've cheated on you. So what do you do? How, what, well, what do you say to me? Well, first of all, did you come to me and confess or did I find it out? Let's break this down just a little bit more. I met this woman on a social media account, not a dating app. I met her maybe on Instagram. So there's the story. And then we went to the movies and afterwards we got a couple drinks and we slept together. But it was a one-time thing. Did you go to your wife and confess it or did you wait until she found out? I went to her and I confessed it. I took responsibility of it. Okay, you took responsibility and went to confess. She's mad. I'm mad and I'm angry at you. And how could dare you to hurt me like that? Yeah. I need some time out. But it's been five months since it happened. Okay, but it's just new to me. If yeah. you're just telling me now, yeah. but it happened five months ago, it's new to me. So I'm getting to live with the pain at that moment. Yeah. So you have to give me grace. Mm-hmm. that I'm going to be angry. I may make you go into another bedroom. I may make you go stay with your parents, but you're going to have to give me grace. Mm-hmm. Then what I'm going to have to see from you is, was that true repentant mm-hmm. truly? How a, do you, how do you test that? Um, boundaries. You set up perimeters. You go, okay, from now on, I have access to your social media. From now on, I have access. You can't lock your phone on me. Or maybe I, I don't use my social media as a business platform. I just use it for personal use. Maybe you tell me to delete it. That or you put my name on it so I can see everything that comes through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, counseling. Are you willing to go to counseling? Yeah. Are you willing to go see our pastor? Maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe a counselor, counselor, but can we go to our pastor? You know, there are steps that I would want to see in place for behavior. Would I immediately have you come back in my bedroom? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. I would need that time to learn to trust you again. Right. You know, but I do say this, that when, if I say out of, say three months later, we finally worked it through, we went to counseling, we did all the steps that we had set up, at, you know, because the counselor are probably going to set up some steps for us too, to exercise. Um, and we've gone through all of it. It's been good. And I choose to forgive you at that point. And restore our marriage. Is the respect and trust immediate there again? Absolutely not. No. You're working on that. And you're now still. now your climb is far harder. At first, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, it's like climbing up a hill. It's not like super easy. You know, it's, it's mediocre. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to establish just a little bit. But once you jump off the cliff at the top of the hill you have to climb back up the cliff. You don't have just a slight incline. You got to prove by your actions and words every single day that you're working to reestablish the respect and trust in the relationship so that the insecurity is mended and the forgiveness is true. Okay, so does that give me the right that every time I get suspicious, I bring that back up and say, well, remember when you cheated on me? No. But I think it's also understandable, and I think that's where grace on my end would come in, right? right? right. Like, I understand you're there, but I know where my heart is, and I'm focused on you, so it's the reassurance. Yes. So you reassure me back. 
No, I have it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you. What can I do to help you resolve that? Mm-hmm. But something in me has to take some responsibility too, because I can't use that as a weapon against you. If I have forgiven you, yeah, I can't constantly, every time we have a disagreement, throw it back in your face. Right. When you forgive someone, it doesn't dismiss the hurt that you felt. Yeah. Or the betrayal you well, felt. And and I think the question that would result from a situation like that would be, why did you do that to me? Why why did I cheat on her? Why did you? It definitely never makes it right. But no. there's there's always reasons. Right. But we but I have to take my ownership too. Right. Because what you did is on you. That's a choice you made. But what part of your your unhappiness or whatever it took to do that, do I have any responsibility right. there? Like like in the relationship, was there a loss of romance? Was there not quality time spent together? Was there a loss of respect? Were things overly negative when I would come home after a long day at mm-hmm. work? And it's not... It for somebody that doesn't have intentions to ever cheat on a spouse or a partner, their intentions getting into that relationship are never to seek validation in somebody else. But when this person goes out and cheats, knowing that it's a knock against their character, obviously the reason why they did it one time, and obviously the reason why they took responsibility and came, you, you're seeing the, you're seeing some aspects of mm-hmm. character in that person. Yeah. Should they approached you sooner? Absolutely. There's probably a little bit more hurt because of the amount of time it took you to own the responsibility. Right. right. But, but, but regardless, it was one time it's now being corrected. There's certain things of character that you can see in this person that's been representative that you need to feel validated that I'm still here for you and I'm still a good man. And so because you see those things, now it's examining what led us to this road because it didn't just happen overnight. Right. But counseling, that's where I say counseling comes in. Counseling's for both of you because somewhere in there, something got broke. Let's yeah. discover what got broke so it doesn't happen again. Right. You know, because now if you were to go out and do it again mm-hmm. and do it again, when is the line drawn in the sand and when that woman says no more? Right. Once is a mistake. Second time is a decision. The third time is a lifestyle. I would agree. And I think that's with anything. Mm -hmm. And it may be a temporary lifestyle. It may be just be for a season of your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's nothing to do with his partner. Maybe it's to do with something within himself. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, he was still a good man. In the beginning, he still never had... See, and this is the the subjectivity to any situation is that we generalize in this culture to not fully understand the dynamics of different relationships like this. And it's a huge problem when we talk, we are talking about things on a fairly basic or outside perspective, right? Because this isn't, I've experienced being cheated on, but I'm not talking about an experience that I had. I'm essentially role-playing with you right now mm-hmm. in the midst of, you know, what the, what would this conversation be like? Right. 
And so all of it is very subjective. And I think it's great that we did that, honestly, because I think a lot of people will be able to pull from that, you know, because there's a lot of people going through that right now. And it is not right at all. Right. Well, even in my first marriage, Mm -hmm. um, he had a problem with pornography. Mm -hmm. I was young and dumb. I mean, I was barely 17. He was six years older than me. And I didn't know what to do with that. You know, and part of it was shame. I didn't feel like I could go to my pastor and say my husband has a problem with pornography. Mm -hmm. Because I was ashamed by it. And so I let it go on and didn't do any, didn't set up any kind of boundaries Mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, And our marriage progressed to where he had an extramarital affair. I found out about it. Um, We talked through it. And at this time, I have, you know, we have a couple kids. Mm-hmm. and I chose to forgive him. And so we tried to work on our marriage, had a couple more kids, and then it happens again. And at that point, you know, I, I already gone through the pornography thing in one affair, and then here's this other affair. And when this affair happened, I had a couple of friends of mine come to me and say he had also made passes at me. Right. Then I knew that there was a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the hardest things to do was to, to, to end the marriage mm-hmm. because there was never a true repentant apology. Right. It was, well, just something came over me. Mm-hmm. So it's like he put himself into a third person and just something happened Right. And yet he never took his personal responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And there was no change. Right. I mean, so I left the marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, did I leave the marriage with some pain from that? Right. Some baggage from that? Mm-hmm. I did. It, it, right. it hurt my self-esteem. But I have to say, too, that there were some things within myself I seen that I didn't do right in that marriage that I had to take ownership of for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Lack of boundaries was one of them. Right. Not not putting a boundary and saying, this will not go on in my home. Right. You know, put a stop to the pornography. Expose it for what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, get over the shame of it and expose it. Right. Um. I want to I want to go ahead and yes. move on to um, law number five because okay. I'm not sure how much disk space I have on my computer right now. Oh, okay, <laughs> and I would hate to lose the file because the conversation has been so good. So let's go ahead and take like four to five minutes on this next part okay. from start to finish because I think we'll be able to wrap this up really good with this one. Okay, um, but the law of motivation. What's that mean? To me, that means like all of this with the relationship issues, right, has now motivated you to see solutions in your life, right? right. And, and like you said, right there was perfect because what you said was it showed me that I need to set up boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's a motivation. Yeah. And what's motivation? Here's some of the things that were listed that why we don't set up a boundary, yeah. why we don't learn no. Um, fear of loss of love or feeling of abandonment. Fear of anger. Oh, fear of loneliness. Uh. 
fear of losing the good me. That means that when I think that to love means to always say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, guilt. Wow. Yeah. Um, is Approval. your motive. You skip payback. Payback. Yeah. Payback. I do this because I expect something back. Mm-hmm. I don't love unconditionally. My right. love is giving to you with some expectation. That to you're give gonna, it back. To give it back. Right. What if that person doesn't give me back? Do I continue loving them? Well, we're called to always love. Okay. I think that you can. Well, let's, it's almost like let's payback. It's almost like payback can be. You want it to be reciprocated. Absolutely. Let's say you right. want the relationship to progress to a deeper, meaningful relationship where it's not just an acquaintance anymore, but now it's a really close friend. You want the efforts in the relationship to be reciprocated, to validate the love that you're investing into the relationship, that it's coming back to you. Otherwise, you're not being given that back. Now, intrinsically, can you still love that person once you have established this person is not going to pay me back, is not going to give it back? How do you love the person through that? Because we're still called to love. And there's where the line is. Right. I can love you. I don't have to like you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I can love you. I don't have to accept your behavior. Exactly. That's what I was going to hit. Okay. So then the over-identification with others losses. So we get into this. I'm going to, I got a better story than yours. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your sign. That's a sign of a narcissist. Yes, it is. And also too, it's, that victimization again, mm-hmm. you know. So all of these things for motivation, these are things that stop you from growing. Right. When you feel the fear of not being loved or if you fear you get angry, loneliness, all of those things are things that does not motivate you forward. Right. Boundaries motivate you. Right. When you see a boundary, and just like I said, When I found the ability to say no, my life changed in the ability to find true joy and happiness within myself. Yep. You know? And the motivation is to get to that point. Right. Right. Because I can honestly say, and today, very rarely do I ever feel anger, Mm -hmm. and very rarely do I feel hurt and... Me either. I am so, I'm now so at peace with all the things that I've experienced, Mm -hmm. the things that I have examined. I've reaped what I've sowed. I've owned them and taken responsibility of them. And Mm -hmm. now through the things that I'm able to talk about here on the podcast, it's established some respect within my life to other people where I'm not playing this victim card no more. All of it is intended for other people. And that's just it. And it's given me a reason, a motivation to continue doing it for others so that they see that you don't have to fear loss and abandonment. You don't have to fear anger. You don't have to fear loneliness. You don't have to fear losing the good, guilt, payback, approval. You don't. 
you don't have to fear it. Like the, the, you know, I admit that I have frustrations. I get frustrated when things aren't working kind of the way I want them to work or somebody yeah. else is annoying me and stuff. But I'm talking about that stuff that makes a day to day in your life that you're struggling to find happiness or you're struggling to find joy in anything. And you say to yourself, I keep giving and I keep giving and I keep giving and I'm not getting anything back. Yeah. Then there's a problem with your boundaries. Yep. You know, so don't put it on the other person's not doing what they should be doing. Put it on yourself to say, evidently, I don't have good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to share one little story real quick. When Daisha first got married, she was my right-hand man in the home. Mm-hmm. She was the one that I leaned on when I need help with you younger kids. Right. And all of a sudden, she's gone. And I'm left to do it all here without her help. And I remember the first time that I said, I need you to go with me to do this. And I think it was some carnival thing that the church was doing. And I wanted to take you younger kids, but I knew I couldn't handle it all by myself. So I asked her to take, to go with me. Mm-hmm. I expect her to say yes, because she was a yes kid. I mean, she did whatever. And she said, no. I was so mad yeah. that I marched over to their house and I was screaming and yelling at her and I wasn't being kind at all. And her husband came out and said, you need to leave or I'm going to call the police. Seriously. <laughs> and I went back home and I did not speak to her or she didn't speak to me for six months. It was almost six months. There's that boundary. You're going to respect it. And that's what I learned. Yeah. And you know what I had to do? I had to write a letter of an apology of my poor behavior and told her that day that I would respect whatever she told me then. And I did. But she had that. Daughter daughter puts the law down on mother. You know, but (laughs) but she taught me something. I took that as a lesson Mm -hmm. because I chose after that six-month period of time, do I want a relationship with my daughter or do I not? Right, right. So I made the amends. It was on me. Right. She had all the right in the world to say no to me. Right. She was on her own, supporting herself, married. She owed me nothing. Mm-hmm. And you have the right to say no to. Right. All right, y'all. That is okay, all. Good. Is there anything else you want to say? Nope. No. Nothing left unsaid here. I think that we had a lot to talk about. So that <laughs> was that was good. I think it turned out great. Okay. And I we appreciate the still conversation. Still five more laws next time. I know. But the, I don't know, Mom. This may be like a, a four-year thing by the time we get through this book. Jeez. Well, I'm kind of thinking we'll just end it with the 10 laws of boundaries because the rest of it is just added on stuff. Really? Okay. Well, this is news you know, to me. So He um, hasn't read the book fully <laughs> like I read the book. <laughs> But alrighty, guys, if you would go ahead and subscribe on YouTube, make sure you like this video, share it with your friends and family. If you think that they're going to get something from the conversation that my mother, Kim Mattern and I had, go ahead and give us a rating on Spotify, a rating and review on Apple podcasts as that will increase the analytics and let new listeners know (laughs) the value that you as a listener are getting from this podcast. There's a link in the bottom of the description to do so, and also links to all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, it's there. Love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Boundary.
It's okay to say no. God bless y'all. <laughs>